Hello there, this is Terry, and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. Today I'm chatting with Scarlett Nelson on how to become a rock star stop motion animator for TV shows. So Scarlett is an animator and illustrator currently working in LA, and the majority of her work has been in stop motion animation on shows such as Tumbly for Amazon Prime and Supermansion for Adult Swim. So Scarlett, hello and welcome. I'm really excited to pick your brain because I'm such a big stop motion fan. How are you doing today? Uh, it's going good. Thank you for having me on. Great. Yeah, that's great. So um, my first question is like, stop motion is such a niche and almost kind of a rare interest. So how did how did you become interested in it in the first place, even before you started working in it? Um, I was really into animation as a kid, as I think a lot of us were. Um, but when I was in high school, I believe, I was watching Coraline. And that was when I first realized that it could be an actual job that someone could do. And I thought, well, I want to try that. Um, so, yeah, when I was picking out schools, I tried to find one that had any stop motion electives that I could try. And where did that lead you to? That led me to learn that no schools have a lot of stop motion <laughs> classes available. Right. Um, but I ended up going to SCAD, um, which I really liked. And they have you start out learning 2D animation and 3D. Um, and then they had some stop motion electives that I was able to take in the second half of my time there. Did you feel like super anxious to work on stop motion that whole time? Like you were learning 2D and whatnot beforehand and you didn't get to touch stop motion. But were you like thinking about it all the time and like feeling really anxious? No, because I I was excited to just start learning animation, and I also really enjoy 2D animation. I still do it today, um, but I I was ready to get started. <laughs> I yeah. was yeah. My first opportunity to take one of those classes was my junior year, and um, by that time I was like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so like now you kind of well not exclusively because you do other projects on the side. Um, but you work mainly in stop motion. Do you feel like the 2D animation and other things that you had to learn beforehand really helped you in stop motion? Or do you feel like, or do you feel differently about that? No, I definitely think so. Yeah. Um, I think like the main difference with stop motion versus 2D and 3D is that in stop motion, you're always doing straight ahead animation. Um, we are not necessarily doing that in the others. But the same principles apply across the board. So anything I learned um, out of doing 2D animation, I, I like to apply it to my stop motion work too. Even things such as like squash and stretch, if you don't have a puppet that actually bends, you can cheat it a little by like posing the puppet to camera and seeing what you can get. Gotcha. So like I've dabbled in stop motion myself and before I ever started 2D and it was always straight ahead, like I never even knew about keyframing and posing and stuff like that. So when you're working in stop motion, uh, I know that some animators, they will film themselves doing the, the action and they'll, some animators will even do like a keyframing uh, sequence of where the puppet will be in time and space for the whole sequence. So do you, have you done any of that before? Like you said, most of it is kind of straight ahead. Yeah, I have definitely filmed video reference. <laughs> Um, it's usually just me on my phone <laughs> on the stage, um, but I think most of the planning for my shot, I'll draw out little sketches, um, 
and I'll time them up to the voice cues to see when I want them to hit. Particularly in Dragon Frame, they have the like audio track where you can see the waveform, and that's a, a good way for me to like make, make notes on the X sheet to be like, be standing right here, yeah. um, arm out here. Um, so that's the way I plan out my shots. I have done blocking passes a few times, yeah. um, but mostly for TV animation, you just go. <laughs> Interesting. So I want to talk a little bit more about your experience in school with stop motion. Can you like what was your class in stop motion like? Can you just kind of give a run through of that? How it was yeah. and what you learned? So I went to SCAD and I graduated in 2015. And um, by my understanding, things have changed and grown, which is great. Um, at the time, when I was about to start taking that first stop motion class, Actually, the professor who taught it left the school. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so, they, so they canceled it. Um, and I was able to get one of my other professors to do an independent study with me, which was really generous of him. Um, and he was um, someone who had worked in 3D animation, but likes doing stop motion in his free time. So we were kind of learning together as far as puppet fabrication goes. <laughs> but we figured it out. And, um, and then that, that turned into that professor teaching two electives at SCAD about stop motion. So in the first one, we were doing mostly animation exercises. It was kind of similar to my 2D class where we would get, I guess, probably weekly exercises. And that was our project for the week. And then in the second class, we partnered up into teams and we created um, a little short film for the class. Nice. What, what was that short film about? Um, <laughs> I made mine with Charles Davignon and Brock Barber and Charles Schaefer. And it was called The Riddle Monster. <laughs> and it was about this like sock puppet dragon. <laughs> it, was, it was cute. I liked it a lot. <laughs> the dragon comes up and tells a riddle about like how he only lies, but then he also tells the truth. I'm 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 butchering it and <laughs> destroying all our hard work with this explanation, but it was a fun time. I really liked working with other people um, because for a lot of my projects I was just doing it solo and it was a lot more fun to collaborate and a lot more indicative of what the actual industry is like so I really like that experience. So what like what do you think uh, was the most important thing you learned in school with stop motion because there was only a couple electives on it like you don't I'm assuming you didn't get like the whole advanced stop motion course like you would in 2D or 3D where you spend years uh, on it so like what did you come out with after these few electives? You said a couple stop motion tests and a short film. Like looking back now where you have all this experience, what were the basics that were taught to you that enabled you to get into the industry? Um, the best thing I learned in school, and this was across the board, was just how to animate. I yeah. had a lot of really great professors. And then the professor who was teaching our stop motion classes, was he's an amazing animator, and he did probably taught me the most <laughs> um and so it's really less about specifically stop motion and more about just like animation principles and then as I was you know in school and growing up and becoming a better person I was learning how to finish things better so I would take the stuff that I learned in class and I would do a lot of my own projects on the side just to practice so a lot of my portfolio came from things that weren't class assignments. They were just things that I was doing 
Like at home? Like were you building your own stuff at home? I would use the school. We had some we had some space for shooting. Nice. Um, so um, I want to talk a little bit about how you got into your career because stop motion is, like I said before, it's kind of niche. So how did you end up finding a job in stop motion after taking a couple of electives in school? And, and like, did you feel confident enough to pursue stop motion when you also had like there's more of a demand for 2D skills and stuff like that, right? Versus stop motion. So I guess I'm asking, where did you get the confidence and how did you end up in your first role? Uh, the trick is you don't need to have any confidence. No confidence. <laughs> you just got to do it anyways. Um, so I guess probably sophomore year on, I was doing a lot of researching about where I could possibly work and like what studios even existed. And we also had a stop motion club at school, which was really cute. And uh, people did a lot of research into like different studios and um, where they existed and where you could find them online and which ones offered internships. So I had a big list going of just like, all right, who can I, who can I contact? Um, and then when it was my senior year, <laughs> it was time to get started on that. I basically made a schedule for myself of like, all right, I'm gonna send work here, here, and here. Um, and some places offered internships and some places didn't. They just had like a, just an email on their website. Um, and so I would send my reel and just say, I don't know if you have an internship, but if you do, here's my work. Um, so, I mean, when you're just starting out, it's a lot of cold emails. And then we also had, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. You can edit that out, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna edit that out. <laughs> um, so you... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so you were kind of playing a numbers game a little bit by just finding every place that had anything to do with stop motion and then emailing them. And then eventually somebody got back to you. Was, was it like, as soon as somebody got back to you, you jumped on it? Or did you have a couple of opportunities to pursue? Like, how did that, how did you end up working at a place? Okay. Uh, the part that I lost my train of thought of was that we had some, um, we had a, a SCAD alum, Dan McKenzie, actually, talk to our stop motion club. Mm. And he gave a talk about like, you know, working in stop motion. And I came to the talk and I had a bunch of questions for him. And he said, hey, if, you know, if anybody wants to show me their work, they can send it here. And so that was one of the things I was doing as well. And so from him, I learned um, that BixPix was looking for people at that specific time. So that was another thing that helped knowing like when a company was looking for people because then I sent my work to them earlier than I would have. Um, nice. And then when I did, I ended up with an internship offer from FixPix and I took that one. <laughs> can, I, can I ask if it was paid or not? <laughs> Is that a weird thing to ask? Because I know that some internships are not paid and some are. It was not. <laughs> um, there was... There is a uh, like stipend every day for a meal, um, which is unfortunate, but that's that's the case with yeah. a lot of places. Um, it's not just them. <laughs> I I really liked my internship there. Nice. So do you? So you you mentioned a couple other classmates you created a film with. Did they end up in stop motion as well? Yeah, my friend Charles did. <laughs> oh, nice. That's great. Yeah, Brock, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, 
yeah, there was a few of my classmates also ended up working in stop motion. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if um, I want want to name drop them without their permission. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay, I, I have like a million questions, obviously, because I'm super interested in this. The first one is like, when you put together your reel, were there specific things that you, looking back now, I guess, and and giving advice to other people who are putting together a reel, were there specific things that you knew would be uh, looked for, like a walk cycle or like a character jumping or like effects or... Like what? What do you think made you stand out in in your animation reel, or is it just that you had a stop motion reel and that's kind of you know a starting point for you? Um, I'd say for if you're going for character animation in stop motion, um, walk cycles are big, jumping is big, character acting is big. Basically, anything you would put in a two D or three D reel, I think, should go in stop motion. Um, if you want to be an animator, stuff like puppet fabrication and set design and lighting doesn't really matter that much, um, as long as you can see the puppet <laughs> and it doesn't fall apart in the middle of the shoot, <laughs> then you're good. Um, I do think specifically for stop motion, jumping is a good thing to do or anything that gets the puppet airborne, because for us, that means rigs, um... And so that's just like a different part of working in stop motion to show that you can do. Um, I think in general for any animation demo reel, showing weight is a really good thing. Um, yeah, and then put some personality into it. <laughs> nice. Anyway, you can you can make a character emote even if it's a very very simple puppet, which is what I had a lot of. I had a lot of just like blocks connected with wire <laughs> and that was what i was using so uh don't focus on puppet fabrication lighting and stuff like that and instead focus on performance that shows you can do a rig and emote and walk and jump and all the typical things that a studio might need i guess is For animation, is that's what i would say yeah obviously if you're looking to get into fabrication <laughs> the puppet means the most um, i guess I guess that's like an entirely different world, or do you also re work really closely with the, the puppet fabricator, fabricators and lighting and stuff like that? Uh, on the projects I've been on, which have been fairly big, I say big, I mean, um, they weren't just like, there are some projects you can get where it's like three people and they then they do a lot of things. Um, but at my studio, there were specific departments. And um, so puppet fabrication was a specific thing and animation was another thing and there wasn't really any overlap. However, you know, you did work with them. <laughs> so if you had any questions or like puppet issues, you would go over and talk to them. And, you know, I, I encourage that just because stop motion people are fun and I like to meet them all. Um, <laughs> but um, so I don't have to know any puppet fabrication skills. Gotcha. Interesting. Because like the appeal for me is a little bit about, you know, uh, building the character and then making it move. Like that's what I really love. Uh, so that's that's interesting. I guess I know there are some very small studios um, that like do commercials and advertisements where it's like uh, kind of a jack of all trades role is needed. But that's interesting on TV shows is you you just show up and move the character and then go home for the day, I guess. Right. Yeah, it's that easy. <laughs> um, I have known people to jump departments, though. I know I've known a person who worked in armatures for a little bit in the beginning of the season um, because 
production is staggered like that, puppet making will start before the animators start. So I knew someone who would start over in puppets and then move over to animation at that point in the schedule. So if it's something that you're passionate about, you know, follow your bliss and it'll only give you a little more opportunity. I love that. Um, so how did you move from the internship to getting a, a, a full-time or a contract role in Stomo? Um, I, so I had an internship at Bixpix and then I got bumped up to an assistant animator spot. How, um, how long did that take? <laughs> uh, well, the internship was for three months and I, after about one month I got bumped up. Um, but it was just because nice. of timing and circumstance. <laughs> That's fine. I, I I was in contact with other studios in town just from my um, like internship applying process. And when I got out here, um, I actually got a job offer to be an assistant animator at another studio in town. Um, and I was really nervous and didn't know what to do. <laughs> and then when I went into work the next day, they offered to put me up there instead. So so they they heard about it from the grapevine, I guess, and they were like, oh, we better. This girl's really great. We better keep her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but that's <laughs> that's true. They did hear about it because the person I was talking to was friends with my boss. So they were just like, hey, just so you know, I offered Dyer your intern. <laughs> and so I came in and uh, didn't realize that they had been talking to each other. And I was like, ah, <laughs> how did you know? <laughs> but it all but, worked out. So you've worked on two big TV shows like Tumbleweed and Supermansion. So you've had quite a lot of experience animating. Can you can you kind of run through what a typical day for you looks like from when you come into quote unquote the office, I guess, and then when you leave? Yeah. So um, there's slight differences from studio to studio, but for instance, when I would go into work at Tumbleweed, we would start with a big board meeting, um, and there's just like this physically a very big board <laughs> in the front of the studio where they have all of their storyboards tacked up and there's um it's uh segmented into stages and we had about 20 stages on uh in that studio so we would go and stand by the big board and um our animation director would run through everything that was going on that day and who's on what stage and then at that point um if you're in the middle of a shot they'd be like when do you think this shot is going to be done um, so you're just like giving your ETAs and any updates that you need um, or learning your assignment for the day. From there, you go to your stage and uh, wait for your director to come around. Um, if you're just starting the shot, if you're in the middle, you can just start. Usually camera departments already been through and checked the stage. They check them every morning to make sure that there isn't any camera shifts or set shifts or problems they need to fix. So once that's been okayed, you're ready to start going. And if I'm doing a new shot, I wait for my director and animation director to get there. And what they'll do is they'll show me the animatic, just the section we're doing. Uh, they'll explain what's going on in the story and they'll give me my direction. So that's just that's just the director explaining to you what they want in the shot and like sometimes they'll like act it out for you, which is pretty fun. <laughs> and that's a good time for me to ask any questions that I have and I take a bunch of notes on a little notepad. So the director will be like, I want them to be like super jumpy here. Like what kind of direction do they give you? Um, different directors are different styles. Um, on Temple Leaf, it was fairly specific. Um, there was a lot of plot points that needed to be hit, um, but you could still, you could still sort of get there creatively in a way that you wanted to. 
So say it's a shot where like Big Fox is running into the room and opening up the treasure chest and taking out <laughs> um, an object. So they would go through it in broad terms and then they would go through it in slightly more specific terms. They'd be like, okay. So he runs in, he does a hop up here. He opens up the chest really slowly and then he like looks in and gasps. <laughs> and so we'll just sort of like run through all the beats and then it gets more specific as I ask questions. Um, and we'll try to address any like technical or rigging issues that we see will come up. Like if he holds a prop, we talk about how the prop is connected to his hands. Um, if I need to go get anything for that, if I need a rig to be made. Um, if there's anything I should look out for when it comes to visual effects. Like for instance, his tail was really furry. So you wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be in front of anything that needed to be comped out because then they would have to roto into like the little hairs of the tail. <laughs> and, and then we'd make our VFX department sad. So anything like that to look out for, they would also tell me then in direction. And then they leave <laughs> and I look at my notes again <laughs> and I'll usually like act it out for myself. And if I'm really confused about a, a specific section, maybe I'll take a video of myself to just like see what I naturally do without thinking about it. Um, and I'll go through my X sheet. This is really specific and boring. I'm sorry. Well, I'm, I love this. this please continue. I'm, okay. I'm like having so many questions in my mind. I want to follow up. <laughs> okay. Then I go to my X sheet and I look at the audio waveform and I map out like the big poses and I kind of put where I want to put them roughly. It might change as I go. And then... I get started. <laughs> then you start with frame one and you just go from there for about eight hours. <laughs> oh, and um, about midway through my shot, I would check in with my animation director. Um, so somewhere in there, that's a good, good spot to check in. When I got to it, I would like either call my director on the walkie or um, my animation director on the walkie or give them a text or something. And they would come by and tell me what they thought so far. And then once you're done with the shot, um, you call for approval. And so your director and your animation director come in and they watch the shot and then they watch it again and again and again. <laughs> and then hopefully they say, great, it's approved. And if they don't? And then you do it over. You do it over, yeah. Um, so it doesn't happen too often because there's not usually room in the schedule. Okay. Um, so sometimes there's a cutback. Cutbacks happen where... Um, you can just go back to a specific part of the scene where it might be easy to replace the puppet. Usually in like the middle of a big action because it'd be really hard to reset the puppet up in the middle of like an ease. So if something at the end of the shot wasn't working, you can go back a little bit um, and just redo that part. Um, so if you're working like uh, straight ahead, how do you make sure that all the timing is is correct? Like. When you when he opens the chest and he gasps and then he like picks up an object, if you're off by I don't know like ten frames, does that sh like throw everything else in the the show off by like ten frames and then somebody else has to squish something or like how do you how do you time it without the key framing I guess? Um, you have a little more wiggle room than you think. You can fix a lot of things in the middle of a shot that. Um, I think when I was first starting, I would have started over. Um, 
but sometimes you can find a solution with the animation you already have. Um, I do a lot of playback as I'm animating and with the audio so you can see if you're on track. Um, and then if you do really paint yourself into a corner, you can say, hey, is it okay if we shift the audio for this part? And sometimes that's okay too. So if you get off track or if you're like confused about a part in your shot, a good thing to do is to call your animation director in and they can tell you um, if this is something we can fix or if this is something you should start over. And like being in communication with people is a good thing because sometimes it's not a big deal <laughs> and you're worried about nothing. Um, yeah, but I think to hit my marks, I mostly use the X sheet. And so I can see where it's coming and I can almost like subdivide um, by going back in twos. And um, sometimes I'll use the little like drawing tools on Dragon Frame to like plot little dots of like where the character's head is going to be to end up where it needs to go. Nice. Yeah. Um, cool. Is there, is there like, so the thing I love about Tumbleleaf is that first of all, the animation is like so ridiculously smooth and like fun, but also like the situations and the characters are so like, also fun, creative, and interesting, and you have like crabs who have lots of legs, and you have like foxes who have like two, four limbs, I guess. So when you're approaching a scene, is there like a character or a sequence where you're like so itching and excited to like touch? Or is it all kind of, I, I guess, the same more or less? Like, can you remember a time where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to work on this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was excited about like almost all of my shots but that's good <laughs> um but hmm let me try to think of a specific example sure yeah I like shots where I get to do some effects in them I think that's really fun um I had a shot where fig is literally like molding stuff out of clay so I got to like animate him <laughs> animating clay essentially and that was really fun um I've done things with like sand where um like footprints happen and then they peel off and like the sand kind of dissipates that's always really fun for me um, are you working with real sand and with that mm -hmm. oh. there's also oh, shoot what's it called there's like the stuff we have that's like I feel like it's probably some kid's toy. It's like magic sand or whatever. And so it's, it, it looks like sand, but it's a little bit moldable and it yeah, kind yeah. of holds its place a little bit. So we would use that for a lot of the sand on like beach scenes and stuff. Um, and then usually you also have a little cup of like loose sand <laughs> that you would like sprinkle on top to like um, blend the gap between the, the set and the magic sand that you're using. Sorry, that's also very specific. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Uh, more specific, the better. In fact, do you have any, can you recall any times where like something went terribly wrong on set and like it was a disaster and the place burned down and like it was distressing? <laughs> if, you ask, if you ask my anxiety, that was every day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey. That's not true. Um, uh, you know... I don't, I don't know. Have you, have time, you like broken a puppet or oh, like taken <laughs> over? I've done that. Okay. Um, on my, on my second day of Super Mansion. Second uh, day. <laughs> on my second day, I know. I came in and I was working with this puppet and he had a 3D printed head and um, it was Black Saturn. So we had this like 
stuff on his head. Um, it was like these like horns kind of. I don't know what they actually are. But they were 3D printed and so they were a little bit fragile, which 3D printed things usually are. Um, <laughs> and the way that these puppets were made is that the, the hands are hard molded and so you have replacement ones. So you switch them out. Um, and I was trying to get this hand off and it was a little bit stuck. And so I was holding the puppet and I was holding his hands and I was like trying to like get this hand off of there and I made one big pull and the hand came off and then somehow <laughs> the kinetic energy moved forward and popped his head off <laughs> and it landed on the concrete floor and just like shattered. Oh no. <laughs> I was like, oh no. I wasn't even touching that part. And so I picked it up and I went to the public coordinator and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I broke this head. And they were like, it's okay. <laughs> Here's a new one. And then, um, oh, they had a, I was going to say, do they have to like wait three hours to print a new one? I think they had to grab one, but they, they had extras. Uh, you yeah. still don't want to break them, but they, they did have extras. Uh, <laughs> and then I was um, told to. You also mentioned that the, the like sets settle differently overnight, I guess, with like the compression of the cold or whatever. Like, how, how does that work? That's true. Um, so the sets are. Usually they're built on wood and then sometimes the table legs are like iron to keep it really steady. Um, but overnight in heat and cold, wood will like settle a little bit and it's really minuscule. But if you're in the middle of a shot, sometimes you notice it. So what the sets team will actually do is to fix the set shift. They'll come in and they'll put a little table underneath the table and they'll put a car jack <laughs> in oh between them and they'll like jack it up or down in certain places. Um, Cause like they'll go into like the middle of it where it's kind of sagging and they can push it up. And so they're like looking at the screen and they have it on like an auto toggle. So you can see like before, after, before, after and they're like moving it up and down. Mm -hmm. I always thought that was kind of amazing <laughs> how they could fix most things and it, sometimes there are sets that are um in separate pieces and so <laughs> that gets even riskier <laughs> and i remember there's this one set where he's like in these big ruins um and there was like six different pieces in there and they like kept shifting in the middle of the night so every morning they'd have to fix it and they they did they did a pretty good job and camera shifts they can fix camera bumps too Nice. Yeah, camera bumps would be the worst. Are you are you like <laughs> random question? Because the when I've done stop motion, I'm like it's so hot because of the the lamps, and I'm like it takes so long, and I'm like sweating and gross by the end. Does that happen to you too? <laughs> Uh, second season of Tumbleweed, very much, but then they got better AC. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, there was some rough months in there <laughs> in the heat of LA. Because, yeah, those lights are big. And it's like if you're on, like, a beach scene where there's just, like, a giant light that's supposed to be the sun and it feels like the actual sun. And we had, like, um, we have clay slash wax eyebrows on those puppets, too. And they would start to melt <laughs> in the heat. So then sometimes you go to touch it to move it and it, like, squishes down because it's completely melted. So stuff like that does happen, but... Um, the air conditioning systems have been have been revamped in the past few years so that's good that's good um <laughs> have you ever so you're doing a lot of solo animation is there ever a time when you were working with somebody like two or more animators on one shot yes 
Um, that happens very occasionally. Usually one animator is responsible for everything that's happening um, and all the characters there. Um, but sometimes if it's really going to save someone some time, um, like they have to travel <laughs> a lot, um, they'll have another animator on there to help do part of the scene. Um, I was on one with another animator on our crew where he was animating, where the, the set was split into two. So there was one piece up by the camera and then there was another piece pretty far back um, that was pretty far in the background. And Fig was up by the camera giving some line. And then in the background, there was like this river where all of these like tiny clay worms were floating down. And so they had one animator would be up by Fig, and then I was in the back just like moving all of the worms <laughs> because it would take him forever to get the shot done uh, otherwise. Um, yeah, uh, but I think I think those days are kind of nice because I like being around people. And otherwise, you're, you're alone all day. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happens occasionally. So if you're if you're well, another another thing I like about Tumbleweed is I like rewatch and rewatch some of the shots over and over again because they're just amazing. Like there'll be like ten characters on screen and each one is doing a different action, and I'll like watch it and watch it to see if there's any like slip ups or like something moves out of place or something, and it, it all seems like perfect. Like how do you? coordinate multiple characters moving at different speeds and doing different actions when you have to do everything all in one frame like how how does that how, how do you accomplish that planning <laughs> planning like are you constantly re-watching the footage like every frame to see okay this character is going in this direction how far do they need to go this character is jumping how far do they need to go etc yeah i get really confused um because it's like <laughs> I, 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 have to, I do a lot more playback and a lot more toggling in those scenes because sometimes it'll be like, wait, are they going left or right? <laughs> because you have two characters going in different directions. Um, and I remember I had one shot where all of these like different bug creatures were like um, coming onto the set and they were all entering at different times in different ways. And I had drawn a diagram <laughs> in my sketchbook about like who goes where and I had it color coded. Um, so it's a lot of planning. And then also, um, if something moves out of turn, just go with it. <laughs> that might've yeah. been what you noticed. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure there was some minor slip up somewhere. If a character, you know, starts moving, just start moving. Them. <laughs> you know, uh, there are probably more mistakes in air quotes, um, then you realize, but you can, you can work with them. Nice. And I think it's funny too, because like the show is for kids essentially who would like, you could give a kid like 10 frames per second and they'd be happy. So the, the fact that like Tumbleweed is so smoothly animated is it's quite impressive. I think, um, we care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, well, I feel like we've we've talked a lot about the the like ins and out of the day to day, but like I guess you mentioned this before, but from your experience, what is the big difference in I guess skill level needed to succeed in stop motion versus other forms of animation like two D or three D? Hmm? Um... So, uh, like <laughs> the question. What what what's the big difference in skills needed, or uh, I guess like qualities needed in stop motion versus like 2d or 3d because i know that stop motion takes a lot of patience 
And maybe it's a little bit different thinking in terms of uh, like straightforward animation versus like 2D or 3D. So what what do you need to be successful in stop motion versus the other forms of animation? That was pretty long winded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would probably think of them in the same way. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about a lot of the same things when I'm working on a 2D shot versus when I'm working on a stop motion shot. And um, I don't, I haven't done 3D since school, but <laughs> um, I think, I guess you can lean into the, um, that's what I'm looking for, the strengths of each medium. Um, so with stop motion, I do think the strength of it is that it's it's it still feels kind of magical to watch a real thing move around. Um, practical effects, like really, they feel more special in a way. Um, and I I hesitate to say that like any mistakes or unsmoothness is good because I don't like having any of them. Um, but I think you can be a little bit more generous yourself when it comes to things like hair chatter or clothing, clothing chattering. I think that does add to the charm of it um, and you don't have to be so particular. Um, whereas like if I was animating something in 3D, I would probably want to refine it um, and then make sure I was really like making sure it like is really weighted because I know that things can get floaty in 3D. And if I was animating something in 2D, I would want to make sure that like I'm taking advantage of all of the like possibilities of being able to draw every frame, squashing and stretching. And like, I guess I would just say play to the strengths of the medium. I would probably say that the amount of scale involved is the same across the board. Um, you want it, you want it to look good and feel good. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you, if you, uh, enjoy 2D, I guess, as well. Like, what is preventing you from pursuing 2D at this point versus stop motion? Um, well, I've been doing animation, um, or I'm sorry, I've been doing illustration um, and a little bit of animation at my, uh, the job I'm at right now. Um, when I was in school, I think I had a lot of interests and I realized I needed to refine one of them to a good enough place where I could be employed. <laughs> um, because it just takes time. Um, yeah. I was most interested in stop motion, so that was my priority. And I work on a lot of passion projects outside of work. Um, I do really love 2D animation. I haven't pursued it professionally because I've been a little busy working on stop motion. <laughs> um, I guess that's my answer. That's a, it's a maybe later thing. <laughs> that's fine. So uh, maybe to, to wrap up the stop motion thing, what expectations did you have about stop motion that uh, kind of were completely different or weren't true once you got into the industry? Hmm. Like, was there anything that surprised you about what you were working on that you thought differently of when you watched Coraline, for instance? I think, I think what surprised me is what I would be able to do. I remember when I first started doing any sort of stop motion in school, I was like, you know, it was terrible. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was bad. I was slow. Um, and I think I was worried about getting into this industry and not being able to keep up. Um, but it's, you know, if you do it for eight hours a day, you get a lot better 
really fast. <laughs> um, practice really pushes you and you can, I found that I could work a lot faster than I thought I could. Um, and that I wouldn't be sacrificing a lot of quality that way. Um, I was a bit of a perfectionist back in school. Um, so I think kind of just the way I work surprised myself because um, back in school I was very clean with all my drawings and animation and now I'm a lot rougher in the beginning and then I refine and I think that helps it be um, more, it just, it just gives it a little something fun. <laughs> It makes it more expressive. Um, so I was surprised um, to find myself changing. Um, and I also think it's more collaborative than I was used to working. You know, you, you know that it's collaborative because you know that it's like a studio full of people. Um, but I was used to working kind of like all on my own. Um, and when you get to a studio and you're talking to your, your animation director and you're talking to your crew members and you're sharing ideas back and forth, um, it's a lot of working with other people, and that's a great thing. And uh, people skills are important. Nice. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot that's of answers. Great. One of them was the one to your question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I know you're doing some illustration work right now, uh, and you've been doing it for a little while. How did you make the move from stop motion into illustration? Uh, and how did you land that, land that gig, kind of? Um, I had been, I, I never stopped drawing in my free time. So I was working on the skills on my own and I did have a portfolio, um, but I wasn't so really pursuing it. So when you say you didn't stop drawing, you mean like just like for fun or were you, yeah. like, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, I draw for fun when I'm not at work. <laughs> okay. I give myself like little, little paintings to finish. Um, I don't know, I just like drawing. So, and I knew, I knew that it was something that I wanted to pursue eventually. Um, I just wasn't sure when or how. Um, and so when I was on a hiatus from my stop motion jobs, um, my, my schedule was freed up. Um, a friend of a friend just had, <laughs> she, she like texted me and was like, hey, um, I'm working over at the NFL and they have an open position for an illustrator. Do you want me to put your name in? And I was like, well, okay. Because she had seen my drawings because I would post them on my social media. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I didn't think they would call me back. Uh, and then they did and ended up getting that job. So it was a referral from a friend, but then also I had the work ready to go when the opportunity came up. So I think it was those two things that <laughs> uh, resulted in me getting that job, um, the job I'm currently at. And it's really great. It's a great place to work. Yeah. And and what's it like? I know you mentioned kind of before the podcast, you're working about 30 hours a week or so on this. Is it, are you working from home? How do you check in? Like, is it a contract? How do you, like, what are the ins and outs of that, for instance? Uh, it is a contract. Um, I'm working... Uh, less than full-time at 30 hours a week, but I am working in-house. So I go into the studio and um, I have a couple of bosses and they give me different assignments um, for what they want for their social, because for the social media lab. So uh, specifically for their like, all their social media stuff. Um, there's one other illustrator there too. And so 
they'll give us different assignments for what they want, <laughs> which which football player they want to be drawn that day. Um, and it's pretty fun. Uh, there's there's been a lot of opportunity to be creative and to like try out different styles of illustration. So it's been good. Nice. Um, and so for someone who wants to get into stop motion or illustration or just pursue something that they love in animation, what what could you tell them to help build up their confidence or what would you say to them to to get into the industry? Um, I would say there are things that you can control and there are things that you can't. Um, what you can control is your own work. You know, you can you can put in the practice and you can make sure it's as good as you can make it at this point in time. Um, and what you can't control is timing. <laughs> so I say just be ready for whenever an opportunity shows up. Um, you know, when I was told, hey, you should apply now, I had a reel ready. When I was told, hey, this job is opening up, I had work ready. Um, I think that's a good way to look at it other than just like get depressed by the um <laughs> enormity <laughs> and seemingly like chance encounters um, of getting a job i think right. uh, do what you can to be prepared keep your eyes and ears open always look around for opportunities and i think that that will yield some results i i think that's really good advice it makes sense to me um what's what's next for you after the illustration is done are you going to work on more stop motion are you going to do more illustration um, I have accepted a job on Wendell and Wild, so I'll actually be working ooh, on that uh, this next year. So, wow. is that me. like a, a year contract, or or what does that look like? Um, yeah, it's about that long. I don't know if I could say what their shooting schedule okay. is, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's about that long. <laughs> cool, great. Um, well, unless you have any final thoughts. Uh, I think this just about wraps it up, unless you want to share anything else, any juicy tidbits or interesting stories or last pieces of advice or anything. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, too. Do your best. <laughs> Do your best. Great. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you. I loved picking your brain about stop motion, especially because that's kind of my personal passion and um i i remember hearing about tumble leap and seeing like promos on instagram so long before it came out and it was like what is this thing it's like so smooth and like it's it's like the sets are huge and the, the characters are really cool and everything so i'm so happy i got to chat with somebody who worked on it so thank you thank you thank you so much scarlett it's been a real pleasure yeah it's been really nice talking to you too people who are into stop motion are usually very nice so oh great. it's a well, good community <laughs> <laughs> good um great well, and uh, so that about wraps it up. And if you'd like to get in touch with Scarlett or follow her work, you can find her on Instagram at Scarlett Nelson Art. And I'll include the link to that in the description of this podcast. And that's all for now. So thanks for listening. And OK, bye.